Welcome to the Cornerstone Vineyard Weekly Message Podcast. We are enthusiastic about all ages pursuing, experiencing, and having an authentic relationship with Jesus, others, and our community. Join us as we open God's Word and seek His direction in our lives. Good to be here with all of you and with all of you online. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. Good morning. Do we have anybody online say good morning yet? Like, should we should we wait for that response too? We want to make sure everybody is saying good morning to one another, and we want to know who is here with us to be able to join us as we dive into God's word today. But before we do that, I want to take you guys on a little trip with me. So, if you will. We're going to go all the way back to my sixth grade year in school, right? So where I went to school, sixth grade was the end of your elementary school days. So you were like the top dog of your elementary school, right? I see heads nodding like, you know, that was a good feeling. So after summer break, going back into my sixth grade year, I was like, this is it. Like, this is our year, our time to shine. But on that first day of school, I get back, and two of the girls during the summer had gotten glasses. And I mean, they weren't just glasses. Like, these were cool accessories that everybody was coming over and was like, oh, your glasses look so great. Those are awesome, right? And I remember one, like, had, like, they were different colors for the sides, and then the front were were a different color. And, like, they were cool. Mind you, this was, like, the 90s, so bright colors were in, and we were all about them. And I was like, man, today is not going how I thought it would go. But that's all right. Like, it's okay that I'm not one of the cool girls that got glasses over the summer. But then a couple weeks later, another girl comes to school, and now she's got one of the cute new pairs of glasses. And over the course of time, a couple more girls and a couple more girls. Well, in December, right, that was always when my mom took us to the eye doctor. It was like you had to get it in before the insurance rolled over for the next year. We're all coming up to that time. So I was like, oh man, this is my time. I've got to get a pair of those glasses. I've got to figure this out. So I started asking the girls that had gotten them, like, hey, so how many answers did you get wrong? Like, how many letters did you not get right? You know, and like some of the girls had like the really thick lenses. So I was like, how many did you get wrong? I don't want to get quite that many, but I want to get enough to get a pair, but not enough to get a thick pair, right? There were limits to what I needed to do. I'm not joking. I know. I know. I was like setting the groundwork. So the day comes, I'm kind of nervous now going to the eye doctor because I got to get this right. It was like an important test almost that I had prepared for. And I sit down in the chair, and I don't know what that huge machine is, but like they move it over you and then they're like, one or two, two or three, right? We've all been there and done that. So the first line, you know, they're the really big letters. Boom, nailed it, got all of those right, right? That's how you get the like big, thicker ones, which I didn't want, right? Second line, just missed one, just missed one. Mm, third line, well, doctor, those, those are looking kind of fuzzy, but I think I can make out a few. She pulls it back, right? And as she's pulling it back, I 
it felt dramatic to me as she moved it away from my face. And then I was like, she's like, well, I'm, I'm sorry, but she is going to need glasses. Yes, I had done it. I was going to get them. I was going to get the cute accessories. Victory was mine. And by the end of the year, would you believe that almost every girl, there were three girls in my sixth grade class that didn't end up getting glasses? Three, three that didn't end up getting the cute accessories. Now, if only I could go back and tell that sixth grade girl how much I was going to spend in contacts and glasses through the course of the rest of her life, I probably would not still make the same choice that I did back then. So we are currently in a series called Fearless, tackling issues that can stop our progress, where we are looking at exactly that, issues that can stop our progress, which really, if we think about the year that we've had, I think a lot of us feel pretty stopped in our progress. Today, if you haven't guessed it, by my glasses and the fact that I didn't actually need them, but we're going to be looking at the fear of missing out because I was not about to miss out on being one of the girls with the cute accessories. And how missing out can and does stop our progress. So if you would, please pray with me. Father, I thank you so much for your word, for the truth and the comfort and the joy that you bring because of it. I pray that during this season and in the next, that you would just allow us to dive deeper and deeper into what you have to say to us. Open our hearts and our minds, even when it's hard to hear. We love you, and we are so thankful for all the ways that you continue to bless us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Today, we're going to be looking at our ancestors, and specifically Cain and Abel, and how their fear stopped their progress, and what we can learn from Cain and Abel, right? If you're familiar with the story right now, you're sitting there going, what should I learn from Cain and Abel? Trust me, there's a lot of lessons that we can learn from them. So we're going to start, if you have your Bibles, please open them to Genesis 4, 1 through 15, or you can also find it on the YouVersion Bible app. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And then again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain, a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. 
Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Whew, that's a pretty rough story, right? Two brothers, one kills the other, and why? Because his offering wasn't good enough? Because he was jealous that his brother's offering was good enough? Because his brother got to hang out with the animals and the sheep and he had to work the ground? I mean, does it really even matter why he chose to kill his brother? Anger often grips us. When we see somebody being accepted and ourselves being rejected, because let's be honest, for those of us that have faced rejection, which I'm guessing is everybody. Rejection's hard. It hurts. It hurts us deep down when we feel like we're not good enough. Like even when we tried our best, we didn't measure up. Rejection destroys and breaks down relationships. It ruins families. And ultimately, it has the ability to wreck lives. Cain choosing to kill Abel completely stopped his progress. If we look in verses 10 to 12, Cain's driven out from the land. He is cursed to be a restless wanderer for the rest of his days. He's told that the land is no longer going to bear the fruit and the crops that it had. Cain, in his one decision to kill his brother, he loses his home. He loses his relationships. He loses his job because he was working the land. And he loses his sense of direction for the future. And for some of us, some of us in here, some of us who are joining us online, we're in that very spot right now. Throughout the course of 2020, some of us have lost our job. Some of us have lost our home. Some of us have lost relationships. Many of us feel a sense of loss 
for direction for the future. We don't know what tomorrow holds or the next week, let alone the months and years that could come. And honestly, for some of us, that future is looking pretty bleak with the unknown. But if we look back at the story, we need to be reminded that Cain could have chosen differently. He didn't have to make the choice that he did. God even gave him a warning and told him that sin was crouching at his door. But instead of heeding that warning, Cain gave in to his choice. He made his own choice, and he lost out on a relationship with his brother. He lost out on a relationship with his parents. He lost out and lost out and lost out. Cain could have changed his entire life by simply leaning into God. I mean, Cain could have even learned from his brother Abel. 1 John 3.12 does answer the why question that I asked earlier, though. It says this, Do not be like Cain. Ooh, right? I mean, there's no scripture written about me or anything, but if there was, I would not want it to be that. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. His brothers' actions were righteous. That brings us to our first point today. We are stopped, our progress is stopped when our actions aren't righteous. Now, righteous, that word is often used. Often. We hear it in TV shows and movies and songs. I mean, even the rapper Juice World has a song named Righteous. And there's so many others. But few times do those people actually use it in the correct tense. Righteous at its core means two words. Anybody know the two words that righteous means? Close. They said right choice, which is getting there. Now, faithful, the two words are morally right. Morally right. Good job. Good job. And sometimes we even try to fool ourselves into thinking that our actions are morally right. Right? I mean, we often have to think about the fact of, am I actually doing this because I'm being called to or because God told me to? Or am I saying yes to this because it's going to appear that I did the right thing? And appearances are funny things, aren't they? Kind of like with the glasses that I so desperately wanted. Kind of like with Cain. By all appearances, his sacrifice was fine. There was nothing inherently wrong with it. But his motives weren't righteous. It was like he was going through the checkbox of, oh, now it's time to go sacrifice. Let me gather up my things and take them. Here you go, God. On to my next thing. Hebrews 11.4, in faith, 
In faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Proverbs 29, 6 and 7. An evil man is ensnared in his transgression, but a righteous man sings and rejoices. A righteous man knows the rights of the poor. A wicked man does not understand such knowledge. So what's a righteous man do? He does what? You saw it in that verse. Sings and rejoices. So for all of us, I think that a challenge is to think back over these last eight months that have been hard. And just ask yourself the question, did I sing and rejoice enough? I'm going to be honest, I didn't. Proverbs 10.28 continues to give us, the hope of the righteous brings joy, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. Over the past eight months, was I a joy bringer or was I a joy stealer? Right? I'm going to be honest. In the beginning, I think I did a pretty good job of bringing a joy bringer. Right? It was kind of fun in the beginning to get up and make breakfast because nobody was going to school and everybody was home. Right? It was kind of like summer break, even though it was March. But then as time continued to go on, it got a little bit harder to still want to do those things and to still bring the joy. As I was having to think back on how to do long division, my joy started to go a little bit. It started to wane slightly, right? And I think that in these last six weeks, maybe even a little bit longer, I've actually started to steal a little bit of joy. And that's hard to think about the fact that, hmm, I'm supposed to be living a righteous life. I'm supposed to be singing and rejoicing and bringing joy to others. And instead, the weight that the world has been just loading on through all of the things that seem spinning, man, I let that weight get felt more than I let the righteous life get seen. Cain, at first glance, missed out on so many things, right? And for most of us in here, we know this story so well and we can summarize it. But I think that a lot of the times when I read over this, I missed out on the fact that I think that the greatest thing Cain missed out on was living a righteous life. We're going to look again at 1 John 3.12. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his own brother's righteous. We should not be like Cain. When we talk about the fear of missing out, I wonder how this story would have changed if Cain would have feared missing out on living a righteous life more 
Then he feared that his younger brother was better than him. My fear of missing out for 2020 wasn't jealousy or wanting to get cool new glasses. It wasn't something that somebody had. But for me, I feared or worried more about the things that didn't get to take place, right? If you guys have been around here for any period of time, you know that I am a planner. I like to plan things. Plans are my jam. The more planning we can do for things, oh, that is awesome for me. That brings me joy. Let's do that. I mean, Josh and I plan to have a huge party to be able to celebrate two milestone birthdays. Two of my kids missed out on their track seasons. All four of my kids missed out on their second semester of their prospective years in school. There were holidays and trips, and the list just can go on and on and on. But I wonder if that fear of missing out would stop if I focus less on what was missed and more on what was gained. I know I would have less fear if I was more dedicated to living that righteous life, if I was more dedicated to being the one that was singing and rejoicing, the one who brings hope and joy, the one who can smile with their eyes behind their mask and still make eye contact with people when you go to the store. Which brings us to point number two, that we stop progressing when we stop trusting. Throughout the Bible, we find people, man, we find a lot of people in the middle of messes. They have to keep trusting God in order to keep moving forward. To stop trusting would mean that they allow the fear and the worry and the things that are kind of weighing them down. It would have meant that their personal comforts and their desires would have won. And man, some of those outcomes would have been tragic if they would have chosen differently. If you'll turn with me to the book of Haggai, or Haggai, depending on which scholars you choose to follow, we find the Israelites kicked out of their promised land. They're forced to leave, and the temple that they had been working on and building is left unfinished. All right, here's an honest question. Have you ever had an unfinished project that lasted 16 years? Right? That's a long time. And trust me, I'm a person that I love to start projects. Right? As much as I'm a planner, I love starting projects. And thankfully, God created me that way. So then he created my husband to be someone <laughs> who loves to finish projects. He loves to see a project completed. So seeing this project started and then left for 16 years would have made Josh absolutely nuts. It would have been fine with me because I would have started 50 other projects during that 16 years. But the people in this book of Haggai 
were using the expensive lumber that had been imported in order to finish the temple, they were now using this expensive lumber on their own homes. So let's see what God has to say about it. We're in Haggai 1, verses 5 through 8. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. The temple had literally been stopped because the people had looked to their own comforts and desires. They had stopped trusting that God would provide. They were missing out on God's blessings, and who knows what blessings might have occurred during that 16-year period because they were more concerned with, I need to make sure we're okay. And that made me question how much over this past year I've had my trust tested. I wonder how many times I've missed out on making Jesus famous because I wasn't fully trusting that all of the plates that were spinning, God had completely under control. About five years ago, Josh and I were in a similar place. Now the whole world wasn't seeming to spin out of control, just our little corner of it seemed to be. Over time, we had begun to lose trust in some authority that had been placed over us, and we began to question more instead of accepting the decisions. And as we questioned more, we were consistently shot down. And not just shot down, but like shot down without further explanations. We knew that as disciples, we had stopped progressing. We were at a standstill. And that was hard. It was hard to recognize. It was hard to know. But then it was also hard to hear and to trust that what God was telling us to do was what we needed to do. Because trusting others that weren't seeking the righteous life that we were left us feeling a bit defenseless. It felt us it left us without a sense of direction for the future. And it left us ultimately without a way to continue moving forward, which is where we wanted to lead our family. Now, unlike Cain, who had been forced to leave, we instead chose to leave. We chose to leave a home that we'd been at for over a decade. We chose to leave some of the closest relationships we had had. Our kids chose to leave their friends. And I left my job, a job that I ultimately loved. But do you know what happened in the weeks following that? We started moving again. We started progressing. The more we trusted God, that he was gonna show us the next step, 
the quicker we moved forward. The less that we leaned into how our own feelings were and what our desires were, the more progress we were able to see in our family. Which made me wonder if Cain, at any point, had chosen to trust God, what that chapter in the Bible would have looked like. I wonder how Cain's testimony would have been shared. And what an incredible testimony Cain could have had to have said, I was the guy that killed my brother in the field, but here I am to tell you about all that God has done for me. Psalm 56.3 says, When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Which I've been challenged to memorize during this season. But instead, I've changed it a little bit. And so I've put it in the, when I am afraid of missing out, when I am afraid that my boys aren't going to have their basketball season, when I am afraid that the future is going to still be like 2020, I put my trust in you because I am exactly where you have placed me in this moment for the good of the kingdom. I want to invite the worship team to come up. And as they're getting ready, I want to kind of present just an idea for you guys because I feel like we're kind of at this pivotal crossroads where we have a choice. We're only about a month away now from closing out 2020, from closing the door on it. And we all get to make the choice that we can walk the path that Cain did or we can close out 2020 pursuing righteousness. We can walk out of 2020 and walk into 2021 singing and rejoicing and being filled with joy. And just even think about it at your workplace or on your Zoom calls. If you were sitting there singing and rejoicing while you were waiting for them to let you into the Zoom call, right? If you were doing it while you were at your work, because we have a God that we can fully trust is in control of all of this, of everything that you are going through right now in this moment, even the things that you haven't shared with anybody else. And that's my prayer for myself. That's my prayer for all of you is that we can fully embrace the righteous life and be so marked by it that, man, people notice and that then we're known as Abel's long after our time has passed. Thanks for joining us this week. We pray that you are challenged and blessed by this message and that you find application for it in your life as God leads you through this week. For more information about us, please visit our website at cornerstonevineyard.church.